Hello and thanks for downloading or streaming this podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. This is the October edition of In Conversation With. My name's Andy Carter and I'm joined in the podcast booth today by Gabrielle Janzio. Hi, Gabrielle. Hi, Andy. Every month we chat to the leader of the council, Councillor Steve Siddons, or another member of the cabinet to find out more about what we are doing across the borough and an update on activity. Welcome again, Steve. Thank you, Gabrielle. And morning, Andy. This podcast is also your chance to ask questions of our political leaders. So if there's a burning issue or query you have, you can send it to us via email. The address is podcasts at scarborough.gov.uk. You can also visit the podcast page on our website, scarborough.gov.uk forward slash podcasts. But first, we have some exciting news this time because our podcasts are now in more places. We're delighted to say our content is now available via most popular podcast hosting providers, including Apple, Spotify, Google and Amazon. It means you can follow us on those platforms and be notified every time we upload new episodes. And our tech guru is also working in a darkened room as we record to make our news available via your favourite home assistant speaker hopefully in the coming weeks. If you don't use a podcast app, that's fine. You can still listen or download via our website. As Gabrielle said, that address is scarborough.gov.uk forward slash podcast. So, Gabrielle, Steve, soon people will be stopping you in Little asking for autographs as a result of you being everywhere. <laughs> they do already. Oh, do they? Yeah. Right, excellent. Okay. Right, well, let's turn our attention to this month's episode. And there is a lot to discuss this time because we've not been together in our podcast booth for a few weeks uh, now. Steve, the reason we weren't able to speak to you last month is because you were busy elsewhere in the country and as leader of the council one of the activities you often get involved in is something called a peer review where you visit another authority to see what they're up to it's about um, sharing knowledge for what we do here and learning from them where were you and what did you learn Uh, that's that's right Um, we were doing a peer review with Colchester council which is just outside London Essex way this is something I've got involved in in the last couple of years uh, and it's run by the local government association and they offer a service to councils who feel that they would benefit from having um, a critical friend come in and talk to them about issues that, that they're concerned about and the experience that we have had here in Scarborough uh, has been of great interest to um, the LGA and a number of other local authorities in a very positive way. Uh, you know, we've, we've, we really punch above our weight here in Scarborough, I have to say, and, and that is largely down to, to the staff and the people who work with us uh, and the business community and so on. The peer review for Colchester uh, involved talking to members, uh, officers, people who work with the council, and getting views about what, what they feel, and then using your experience or my experience in this case to to give them support and advice on what we think uh, they might do to improve their situation. And they can either take that advice or not. I've done two or three of these now, and uh, and I find them not only very interesting and useful to meet other people who are in similar situation, but also come away from it learning things, things that they do. And I think hmm, that would maybe work well in Scarborough and come back and try and try and implement those. So I think it's a very worthwhile thing to do. 
Let's continue the politics theme, if we may, because we're recording this on the morning of Monday, the 24th of October. Across all national media this morning is um, the three, three names, Penny, Boris, Rishi, because there's lots of chat about who's going to potentially be our next prime minister. We could even know by lunchtime today, which means almost what we're talking about now might be out of date in a matter of hours. But as a politician looking at events nationally, what's your thoughts on, on where, where we are in terms of our national politics right now? Well, uh, I'm sure this podcast is a family podcast and I wouldn't want to say what I really, really think, but um, I have to say the whole thing is totally shambolic. I've never, in, in, in my life as a, in politics, and I've been around politics for, for many, many years, I've never seen anything like this before. I think the whole thing is absolutely appalling uh, from start to finish. And uh, here we are in, in another situation where potentially we're going to get someone who's going to be our Prime Minister, who's not been elected. And and at this particular point on a Monday morning, we don't actually know what um, what their policies are moving forward, other than to tell us that um, it's all going to be terrible and we're all going to have to pay for it. And, and I'm disgusted, frankly, by it. I think that, uh, you know, when you look back and you think about what's gone on over the last few years, the last 12 years, actually, um, uh, this this government in its various forms has uh, has has created a situation where less people uh, are are in a good position, less people have have a decent income standard of living, uh, and those that have mo- those that have a lot um, have even more, and that cannot be sustainable in, in a civilized society. And um, I was reading this morning something that. Um, a commentator had written about Europe and how many parts of Western Europe uh, have have a higher taxation level than we do. And the reason they do is because they provide good public services. And I, and I see that when I go abroad. You see that the streets are clean, people look after things, uh, everything looks clean and tidy. And there seems to be this fallacy here that you can have low taxation, but you can still have good public services. And I'm afraid it doesn't work like that. Things have to be paid for. And and the sooner we, we realise that, you know, we'd love to be able to do more things here in Scarborough. Uh, and there's lots of things that really need doing. But it's very difficult when, you, when you're very limited in, in what you can do with the funding that you have. And, and when you see more and more people who already have lots of money end up with far more, um, it, it's it's very disappointing, I'll say. Do you think the national situation ever reflects badly on what's happening at local level, where, uh, after all, organisations like ours are politically driven, but we're responsible for the vast majority of those services we know people value and appreciate in their communities? Mm. I, I think it's inevitable that it does to some degree. I think most people realise that uh, we are not, closely linked with uh, with national politics um, and I think most people realize that that we're not the same as um, you know so I'm I'm a labor a labor leader uh, I don't talk to Keir Starmer about what's going on in Scarborough uh, he leaves that to me to decide what we should be doing here and my colleagues so it's um it it is inevitable that that people do make that association when you read social media, um, lots and lots of people 
think they know the answers to um, to all the problems that we have. And, and all I would say is that, you know, put yourself in my shoes sometimes because it is not as easy. I'd love to be able to solve all the problems uh, that, that come across my desk every day, but it's just not possible uh, without appropriate funding, without the support of uh, good quality staff, which thankfully we have here, um, and, and all the things that go with it. And it, it's... Um, it's one of those things that you have to learn to live with that, you know, what goes on in London does reflect on, on local politics from, you know, from time to time. But, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. So, Steve, um, the new Council for North Yorkshire has um, recently announced its proposals to impose full council tax on second homes across North Yorkshire. And what would you be your views on that potential policy? I think I've said this before publicly that I, I don't agree with it. I don't think it will serve its purpose. I think that people who own second homes, particularly those that rent them out, uh, will just simply put the rents up by whatever they need to put them up to pay for that. Uh, I think what we actually need is is a licensing scheme. Uh, I, I get lots of mail in my post bag about particularly in places like the old town where there's very little space to park, there's very little amenity and um, people have to put up with lots of holidaymakers um, in, in their area making lots of noise, uh, partying, all those kinds of things. And, I, and whilst I wouldn't want to be a killjoy and stop people having a good time, uh, I think that there's got to be a balance between residents trying to live a normal life and, uh, and people on holiday. We do need a licensing scheme so that we can actually manage the amount of holiday lets that are available in one particular area. Uh, and to make sure that the amenities are appropriate for for that. And I, I think just simply, it's, it's a, a bit of a stick really is this to beat people with. I think, I think it, it sounds good to people who don't really understand the way the politics work. But in reality, I don't think that uh, it will really make any difference to the number of um, holiday lets that are that are available, particularly in places like Scarborough and Whitby and, and Filet, for that matter. Yeah, because, of course, in terms of holiday lets, it's a very popular area, our part of the world, for, for holiday lets. Um, yeah. And one of the reasons why people come here. Exactly. And, and, you know, we would encourage that. Of course we would. We're a, we're a holiday destination. But we have a huge population who live and work, enjoy life here. And uh, it's important to remember them. I think we, we can get fixated with with holidaymakers and there are holidaymakers that, that are very helpful and contribute to our economy and, and and our way of life here and there are those who make it more difficult uh, who don't worry about how, how they behave and I think that um, we need to have some kind of mechanism for making sure that we can put some controls over that uh, that don't stop people coming and enjoying themselves and having holidays here but give uh, due recognition to people who live here and who are trying to just carry out a normal life and go to bed on a night and go to work the next day and so on 
think as we've said before, it's about getting that balance, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So while we're on the subject of, of council tax, um, again, looking towards the new North Yorkshire Council that comes in from the 1st of April next year and the moves at the moment to try and harmonise the council tax um, rates um, across the county, um, I think we've heard recently that um, some people's council tax may go up, others, in the case of Alborough currently, it's proposed that that goes down slightly during the next couple of years. Mm. And again, do you have particular views on that process, Steve? Well, I think it was inevitable that at some point that the council tax would have to be harmonised. There doesn't seem much point in having a one single council that then has a, a multitude of different um, charges for its services. So it was inevitable that would happen. I didn't expect it to happen quite so quickly. I thought that they might have taken a bit more time over that. But I think what it does is it highlights the uh, the stupidity of the current system that we operate, where the council tax you pay is based on the value of your property. And, and if you live in an area where far more properties are of higher value, then you, you get more council tax coming in. So what that means is that that authority can then charge less per unit um, so you know you you might be in band D in Scarborough, but for example, the majority of people in one of the other areas of North Yorkshire might have a much larger number of band F properties, uh, which brings in more money. You need to balance that up, but uh, I think it's time that we removed that system and replaced it with something better, and probably some kind of, of local taxation would mu make much more sense. And what it would also do is, you know, we have between 7 and 10 million visitors a year here. They don't pay anything <laughs> towards running services in, in this borough. You pay them as, as, as council taxpayers, residents. And what we should be doing is having a local tax that not only needs to be a small amount of money, but the people who come in and buy fish and chips or, or buy, buy something on the seafront, um, they, they pay a small amount towards those services. And I think that would be a much fairer system uh, and would benefit everybody. And it would mean that local residents would probably pay less money. So if I was running the new local authority, that would be something I would be looking at and lobbying government to do. One of the other things that the, the new authority uh, is looking at is the issue of devolution. And we've spoken about this on the podcast before. So we don't necessarily need to go over old ground, but a consultation and members of the public are now being offered the opportunity to have their say on the proposed deal. But just to recap, it's £540 million over 30 years. That's about £18 million a year shared between North Yorkshire and our friends in the city of York. That would bring with it um, some transfer of powers from Whitehall, but it would also bring with it the creation of what's called a combined authority and an elected mayor. Uh, this issue was discussed at full council um, a couple of weeks ago, and it was also on the agenda at your most recent cabinet meeting. Uh, what's your administration's feelings around the whole issue of Devo now? I don't have a problem in principle with devolution. I think that... Uh, it's important that people who live in a particular area have a proportional say in what goes on. I don't like the idea that all decisions are made in London. Um, but I think there's a bit of a misconception about devolution. Uh, it, it only gives 
authority to a local area where it suits national government. Uh, and they, they do things that they feel are the appropriate things to, to devolve, uh, but they keep, keep hold of the, the strings to most other things. I think the idea of, and I've, we've talked about this before, uh, 500 and odd million pounds over 30 years, um, right across North Yorkshire and York, is, is a drop in the ocean, frankly. And I don't think it's going to make that much difference to, uh, to the way people's lives operate here. And you're going to have one person uh, in charge of the big decisions that will be made in North Yorkshire and York uh, as, as mayor, the, the head of the new authority. And I think that North Yorkshire, and it's a, it's, a, it's a comment I've made many times and it's something I truly believe, is that North Yorkshire is far too big uh, to be one local authority. And my belief is that uh, civil servants agree with that, uh, but the government decided uh, for, and, and people listening to this podcast will make their own minds up about why they may have made that decision, uh, that they wanted it to be one, one authority uh, which would be most likely run by one political party. And uh, I, I just think that there's a lot of hype uh, in this uh, I'd love to think that it was going to make a huge amount of difference and I think it will hopefully make some difference. Uh, hopefully things like transport, for example, might be better organised across the whole area. But in reality, I don't think it's going to make that much difference to the average person who lives here's life. Um, and I, I just, like many, will wait and see what happens. Some commentators have picked up other politicians for their use of phrases like, this is a life-changing deal. They've also um, pointed out that actually if part of the bid to have a single unitary means sweeping out layers of local government, uh, you sweep one layer out with one hand and then in from the left slides two more layers as well. What do you think about those commentators? Is that an opinion you share? Well, uh, I think <laughs> I think on the on the issue of layers, I think I think we would all agree that simplification of local government needs to take place. I think most people value local government. I mean, there are, there are some people uh, who think it should all disappear, but, uh, you know, I don't know who's going to empty your bins. I don't know who's going to um, create the flower beds that you all enjoy and uh, teach your children at school and all those kind of things if we don't have local government. National government have made a bit of a mess of the things that they do organise already, so I don't want to give them any more to do. We'll have to wait and see how, how this works out. I don't think it's life-changing. I don't think it's going to make uh, a huge amount of difference. Uh, I think it's just going to consolidate what we already have. I'm, I'm disappointed with, with the way that the new authority is, um, is coming together. Uh, I think it could have used the opportunity to, to drastically change some things and uh, for the better and, and I'm not seeing that at the moment. Uh, it seems to be business as usual in many ways, and I think that uh, that, that won't be necessarily to, to the average person in the street's advantage. So now we move on to the C word, and by that we mean Christmas. Um, we're now nearly in November, so I suppose we're allowed to start talking about the festive season. It um, feels a bit more normal now. 
And so we're looking forward to what will be taking place at Scarborough's festive season. We've got the town councils in Filey and Whitby looking after their town celebrations. But here in Scarborough, we've got things planned for various weekends in December in the town centre. We also have our fantastic ice rink, which is making a return after its debut last year. And of course, before all those celebrations begin, we turn our focus to our Christmas festive lights. Uh, we're due to see a much bumper display of Christmas lights this year. Um, would you just like to tell us a bit more, Steve, about you know when we might expect to see those come on and what's planned? One of the things when I became leader was a desire to see more done for the festive season here. I think that over the years, uh, and, I, and I'm not blaming anybody, I think it's been down to funding and so on, uh, we've seen less and less festive activity in in the town centres and, and I think shops do their best they do their bit uh, and individually people and groups and and charities do things uh, but I think it's it's beholden on the council to to do something to bring to bring the festive season together uh, and I was keen to see improvements to um, first of all to our Christmas decorations uh, which we have managed to do and uh, and over the last two or three years we have made improvements and i think this year i'm hoping to see even greater improvements we spent a lot of time and managed to uh, develop a budget to put more christmas lights in um, and those lights are, are bigger and better more efficient they cost less to run and less impact on the environment uh, but will hopefully provide uh, a much more festive feel to the town centre which we desperately need and and people who run businesses in the town towns desperately need um it's been another really difficult year for businesses and continues to be so and i feel really strongly that we need to do as much as we can to help those those businesses and uh, and the lights will hopefully be the thing that pulls it all together I'm not exactly sure of the date that they come on, but it's... 18th of November. The 18th of November. So uh, that that will take place. Um, I, I understand there might be some testing of, of the lights uh, on, on odd evenings before then uh, for a variety of reasons, but uh, the 18th of November is the date when they'll be officially switched on. Excellent. Thank you. Earlier this month, we celebrated a very special occasion um, here at Town Hall in Scarborough. Three former councillors celebrated their status as honorary aldermen of the borough. That was former councillors Godfrey Allenson, David Billing and Tom Fox. They were meant to have been presented with their alderman status um, during the pandemic, but for obvious restriction reasons, they couldn't. Um, so they came along um, with retired solicitor Richard Grunwell, who has also received the badge and scroll of Henri Freeman, and that's the borough's highest honour in recognition of his many years of service to the legal sector and good works in the fields of regeneration and economic development. Um, you were there on that day, Steve, a very special occasion. Mm. Andy and I were also there. What would your take from the day in terms of the achievements of those people there? I think that these occasions are something that uh, the council does really well. I think that everybody likes a bit of pomp and ceremony sometimes. And I think that councillors work really hard for, for their locality uh, and for the borough as a whole. And 
they don't get a lot for that. They get a lot of grief, but <laughs> but they don't get a lot of recompense for it. And and people don't do it for money. Uh, you wouldn't do it for money. Uh, you, you get a small allowance and uh, you, you spend most of that doing the things that you do for the borough. So I think it's important that we do something that that's non-monetary, uh, but however is a is a really important uh, recognition of the work that people put in, and and people who have served four terms, so that would be sixteen years as a councillor, uh, are eligible to become an alderman. Now, alderman uh, is a very old title, and and. And meant something completely different in in times gone by, uh, but t- today it's a recognition of the amount of service that people have put in for their community. And the mayor at the time, whoever is mayor, presents the alderman uh, uh, certificates and badges, and they are allowed to wear them at any kind of civic occasion. And and all aldermen do with great pride. And uh, I I see them from time to time at civic events, and they always come in their alderman badges because they they feel very proud of them, and and so they should. So I think it was a a lovely occasion, and and the three people who were there, uh, I all know I know them all personally, and I know that they've spent years uh, supporting their communities and still do, and and I think that. It's the least we can do to to have a recognition such as that. I think that uh, as far as Richard Grumwell's concerned, um, Richard has has got a different honour. And and as you say, Gabrielle, it's the highest honour that we can provide. And uh, and that's in in recognition of all the things that he's done for this uh, for this area uh, over the years that he's lived and worked here. Uh, I've known Richard many years on a personal level, and um, he was my solicitor, and uh, when he, when he was still uh, practicing, and um, and I know that Richard cares deeply about the area, and uh, and again, that recognition is is well deserved, and I know how proud he is to have received it, and uh, and I, I think um, long we may we continue to be able to do those kinds of things because they're small in some ways but mean an awful lot to the individuals that receive them. Certainly, and, and you mentioned there they were presented with their um, badges and, and certificates of office by the current mayor, Councillor Eric Broadbent. Um, and of course, most recently, we've sadly um, said goodbye to one of our former mayors and what who yeah. was current serving councillor, Councillor Hazel Linsky, who had actually been um, a mayor two times over, Three um, times. Three times over, yes. I stand corrected. Yep. And definitely most recently, um, an extended term due to the coronavirus pandemic for continuity. And also during her time, a um, deputy mayor as well, mm. um, to yes. the then mayor, Sheila Kettlewell. Her funeral was, um, as I say, a few days ago, and I know you attended, Steve. Um, and what would your reflection be on the work of Hazel over the years she was councillor um, and how, you know, how that came across in the funeral? I've known Hazel for a number of years and um, and I think that she is, or was, a, a very, I, I can't, I find it difficult to say was, uh, a unique person. She was uh, very dedicated to what she does and she's served as a counsellor um, very with very strong views on things. Uh, she would never be one who was 
put off by anybody. And if she thought it was right, she would do it no matter what the cost of that was. And she was someone that you could really admire. I did go to the funeral and I was honoured to be asked to do a reading at that service. I, I learned new things about Hazel that I didn't know. Uh, I thought I knew quite a lot about her and we've talked, we've sat and talked uh, many times about things, particularly during the, the COVID times. Um, but she she was a remarkable character and uh, and will be sadly missed by, by everyone. Uh, and I think that the the service that was held at St Mary's was testament to to her and her popularity. So many people came along, ex-colleagues, ex-people who I haven't seen for a long time, uh, made the journey here to um, to, to support and, re and represent uh, what she's done for for this borough. She'd be sadly missed, not only by by us, but by obviously by her family, uh, who have supported her. Uh, Mike, her son, was a concert so when she was. Uh, when she was mayor, and uh, and she got us through uh, those really dark times of um, COVID as mayor, and uh, and kept the normality of some of the things that we were doing going. Yeah, certainly a very special character and lady who will be be terribly missed. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Gabrielle. It's time to wrap things up for this episode. But before we go, let's look ahead to next month's edition, which will be published towards the end of November. This podcast, of course, is your chance to put your questions to Steve. So if there's something you'd like to ask, please email podcasts at scarborough.gov.uk along with your name and where you live. We'll put your questions to Steve next month. If you missed a previous episode, go to scarborough.gov.uk UK forward slash podcasts where you can download or stream all our content and don't forget you can now find this podcast and its sister program Boroughcast on your favorite hosting platform make sure you follow or subscribe and you'll get a notification when we upload a new edition in the meantime thanks for listening so from Gabrielle goodbye Steve goodbye and me Andy goodbye for more news and information about the services we provide, visit scarborough.gov.uk.